Blog Talk Radio. Welcome back, you health renaissance people. Okay, today is exciting. We're going to talk about celiac disease and diverticulitis. And the key with this is it's not uh, really a disease. It's an adaptation. This is going to mess a lot of people up because bowel disorders now are at epidemic proportion. Um, now, all of this stuff is going to be put on our Dr. BVIP site. So please, if you can, subscribe to that one, and it's uh, drbvip.com. And it, you know, it's kind of like the old old joke, how do you spell VW? No, no, drbvip.com. So if you can support us, those of you that are supporting us, it's really appreciated. Uh, Now, we've lost some, we've lost Vimeo, and we've lost Library. Okay, Library is now absorbed by Odyssey. But all of this will be put on Odyssey, YouTube, Facebook, everything tonight. Um, but, but your help and support of Extreme Health Academy is also appreciated. Now, we just lost Vimeo, and that was about 800 videos were went down because of the current censorship. But hopefully, they'll uh, allow us, because we are looking to get our own server, so you know that way we can have more free information. Uh, now here, let's get into this. Five signs of life. And this is what you have to do. And when you're bringing it down to the basics, so when people say, well, I have diverticulitis, I have celiac disease, I have inflammatory bowel disorder. Well, how does that affect you? Is it just digestion? Well, let's look at this. Number one, there's five things that you need to do to a live. You need to get assimilation of nutrients. And this is where 80% of your immune system is located in your gut, 80 to 90%. So you have to break down proteins, amino acids. Um, you need to break fats to fatty acids and carbohydrates to usable sugars. You've got to assimilate the nutrients. Number two, you've got to excrete the waste. And you have respiration, perspiration, pooping, and peeping. And I know what you're thinking. Excretion of waste is respiration. How would that work if you put a diaper over your face and rebreathe in your waste? Well, uh, that doesn't bode well for health. So excretion of waste is really important, Um, as important as assimilation of nutrients. Then growth. Your body needs to break cells down and build cells. Reproduction. Your body is a tissue reproducing machine, and this is huge. Your blood is brand new every 120 days. Um, skin is bland, brand new every 28 days, so you're a tissue production machine. And then adaptation. Uh, you've got to be able to adapt to this environment. So assimilation of nutrients, excretion of waste, growth, reproduction, and adaptation. That's it, baby. So let's look at diverticul- um, diverticulitis. Now, a diverticulum, when you look at the intestinal tract, it's a muscular tube. And I know it sounds weird because you think, well, it's a muscular tube, but it is. And it's a tube that goes all the way from your mouth to your anus. And along this tube, this is where um, digestion takes place. This is where carbohydrate digestion begins in the the mouth. Uh, Protein digestion begins in the stomach and or mainly is is completed in the stomach, and fat digestion is mainly completed in the liver or duodenum area. Now, what a diverticulum is, 
is we got to look at what this is. Diverticulum is an outpouching of that muscular tube, the intestinal tract, the colon. So an inpouching is going to be called a polyp. So when you look at this, you think, well, wait a second. Is So we have a muscular tube, and anytime you have an outpouching, that's called a diverticulum? Absolutely it is. And so diverticulosis, osis means condition of, so that's all that is. And um, itis means that that is actually inflamed. So let's let's look at this. Diverticulitis is an outpouching of that large intestinal tract. Now, how do you get that, knowing that it's a muscular tube? You could have compromised blood supply or nerve supply to that area. And it's really that simple. So diverticulosis is a condition of having an altered nerve supply to that area, weakening the wall. So instead of um, food being pushed down the intestinal tract, there's a lateral pressure, and then it pooches out into a pouch. And so that's it. Now, you might think, well, what happens? Well, you're looking at 10% of people over age 40, 50% of people over age 60. So what causes that weakening of the wall? Well, two things. One, poor diet, toxic foods, anything that damages the gut bacteria, and that's your intestinal flora, can allow molds and funguses and yeast to proliferate, and those can expand weakening the wall of the intestinal tract. Also, direct compromised nerve supply. Um, it means that if you have compromised blood supply or nerve supply, that means we have this automatic nervous system. One part keeps us alive under stress. The other part regenerates tissue. If you're in a chronic stress state, a fight-or-flight state, bam, you've got decreased nerve supply to the gut. Now, what's interesting um, in regions such as Africa and Asia, where diets are super high in fiber, uh, they see way fewer occurrences of diverticulate disease. Uh, so it's where diets are low in fiber. And you might think, well, wait a second. Okay, we're looking at a muscular tube. That muscular tube is going to have this wave, this peristaltic wave, pushing food down through that intestinal tract. And if you're in a chronic stress, you compromise the nerve supply to that, and that weakens that passage and puts increased stress on the wall. Plus, if you're um, not just chronic stress, let's say you have a poor diet, okay, where it's low in fiber, because fiber causes that intestinal tract, that muscle, to work. So that makes a heck of a lot of sense. Now, when you're looking at the, at the symptoms of this, oh, my God, miserable. You're talking cramping, achy, um, constipation, bloody stools, fever. I mean, it's just horrible. Um, so what are the solutions? Well, when you look at the cause, the solution is pretty darn clear. You've got to restore the blood supply nerve supply to the intestinal tract. That means you've got to reduce or eliminate or find out where the heck the stress is coming from. And that's physical, chemical, and emotional stress. Now, you've got to treat diverticulitis as a dysfunction of environmental toxicity or compromised nerves to that area. 
And it seems too simple, but that's exactly what it is. I mean, they used to say, for goodness sake, don't eat nuts or popcorn, except the Journal of the American Medical Association did a great study, and it showed showed 47,000 men that ate popcorn and nuts actually had a decrease of lower symptoms. Why? Because a lot of that stuff you can't digest. You can't digest it. That's heavy fibers. Heavy fibers causes the muscular system to work. So what are the causes of diverticulitis? Well, altered nerve supply, the chronic stress, um, antibiotics and drugs, genetically modified foods, horribly bad for you, certain um, jabs or vaccines, and processed foods. Processed foods and GMOs are probably the worst causes. Now, when we get into celiac disease, okay, and and know that both of these have to do with stressors, physical, chemical, emotional stress. Um, Antibiotic chain reaction. Now, you have funguses, yeast, molds. You've got all these different pathogens inside of the gut. Now, if you destroy the bacteria, and that's with an antibiotic, um, the yeast, molds, funguses, parasites, everything increases. Now, yeast um, have opportunistic. They're just like all bacteria, everything is. If you decrease uh, the pathogens to the yeast, which is the bacteria, then these yeast can bore holes in the intestinal tract called hyphae. And this will allow undigested proteins to get into the bloodstream. And so disruption of the gut flora um, is one of the main causes of leaky gut or damage to the intestinal wall. And so what causes that is a chemical stressor or physical stressor. So now let's get, and we need that background. So now you got a background of the anatomy and physiology, how you got blood supply and nerve supply to this intestinal tube, and it's a tube that goes from the mouth to the anus. Okay, let's look at what celiac disease is, because this is, like, again, epidemic proportion. From the Celiac Disease Foundation, quote, celiac disease is an autoimmune disorder that can occur in in genetically predisposed people where ingestion of gluten leads to damage in the small intestine. Continuing the quote, when people with celiac disease eat gluten, a protein found in wheat, rye, and barley, their body mounts an immune response that attacks the small intestine. These attacks lead to damage on the villi, finger-like projection that line the small intestine that promote nutrient absorption. When the villi get damaged, nutrients can't be properly absorbed into the body. Really interesting there. So when you look at this, they're saying there's a genetic predisposition to this. Okay. Now, if that was true, okay, you might want to think, um, is that the case? Well, we're going to come back to that. Uh, so, figure gluten contains certain proteins, okay, and they're called glutens or uh, gliads. Now, these proteins resist digestion, so it's it's more like the heavy fiber. Um, they can pass across the intestinal epithelial barrier. Now, what causes these, okay, get this, is increased intestinal permeability through holes in the walls, so leaky gut. So wait a second. So the part of the of the protein of the gluten that doesn't get digested, that resists complete digestion, passes through the intestinal wall, 
and this causes this uh, immune system response. Ah, so that makes sense. So it's not the body attacking itself. So now when you look at the small intestine, and you got the jejunum, you got the stomach, then the, jeju- the duodenum, then the jejunum, then the ileum, then the l- a large intestine. And so that's the pathway or how we name the structures. In the small intestine, it has these little tiny villi, which, which increase the surface area tremendously because your body's digestive tract is super efficient. So anything that damages this surface area or damages that intestinal lining increases intestinal permeability. Now, this affects about 1 in 100 people worldwide. About nearly 3 million Americans are diagnosed with celiac disease. And, and look at this. In kids, kids get it a lot now. Why? Because we're giving them antibiotics. We're vaccinating the living hell out of them. We're giving them toxic foods. Then the moms are stressed out and they can't breastfeed, even though breastfeeding protects from this. You're looking at, in a kid, foul-smelling stools, irritable behavior, anxiety, failure to thrive. If you look at in adults, um, seizures, menstrual issues, infertility, miscarriages. Um, When long-term effects, you're looking at absorption issues or tissue production issues such as iron deficiency, um, onset of osteoporosis, fertility, lactose intolerance. I mean, vitamin and mineral deficiency is incredible. Now, in the Journal of Clinical and Experimental Gastroenterology, um, they say there is no way this is genetic. Okay, and they said that only um, about 30 to 35% of Caucasians carry these special markers called the HLA-DQ2 and HLA-DQ8. Uh, they're found in almost all patients with um, celiac disease. 30 to 35% of Caucasians carry it. However, only about 2 to 5% will develop it. So then you start thinking, well, wait a second. So how come there isn't 100%? Well, when you combine all the, ad- the data... You're looking at genetics as less than a 10% um, genetic risk. So it's absolutely not genetic when the Moran doctors talk about that. Now, breastfeeding protects against celiac disease. Now, why would that be? Well, you've got the mom's immune system. Um, She's actually eating breast milk, or, or the kids are eating the breast milk. But also, look at the other aspects. If a mom is not breastfeeding, Kids still got to eat. So if they're eating genetically modified high fructose corn syrup, like in Silimac or, you know, Infamil or, you know, one of those packaged formulas, that can actually damage the gut flora. So it's not just that breastfeeding is one of the best things in the world for kids, because it is. Um, It's if these kids are not um, lucky enough to have a mom that's breastfeeding, uh, you can have some serious issues with the gut. So let's look at this. I mean, because we've been growing wheat for, you know, 10,000 years. So what changed? Well, number one, wheat's been grown for about 10,000 years. And what they used to do, used to have amber waves of grain. We're talking six-foot-high things, and they'd cut, and they would leave in the field to dry. Because when you cut a plant, not all of the plant is dead. And the, and the wheat plant gives up its seed when it starts to die. 
Now, stacking and letting these um, plants dry in the field, amazing, because that would ferment. It would help break down some of the proteins, and it was fantastic. Problem is, around 50 years ago, modern wheat farming, they developed a dwarf wheat category, um, which increased the yield exponentially. That was one bad thing. Then they have a, a way to spray, because remember, in the old days, you'd pile up the wheat and let it ferment to where the, the seed would die, and then you could get separate the seed from the plant easy. Now, in modern wheat farming, they have this dwarf wheat, which has over 40 different proteins than the regular wheat. It increases the, the, the yield exponentially, like almost eight to nine times the yield. But you've got to kill all the plants at the same time. So they spray the wheat with glyphosates. Now, glyphosate is one of the most uh, common desiccants or herbicides on the planet. It's been used since 1974, and this is one of the reasons it kills um, our soils are getting depleted, because it's a natural mineral chelator, and, and um, it's, it destroys the bacteria. Now, what it does, it works. It's not supposed to affect humans at all, but we know that it does. It works on what's called the shikimate pathway, which is present only in bacteria. So it destroys the digestive tract of these bacteria Okay, by, by limiting that. The problem, it's also a mineral chelator, um, an antibiotic, so it destroys the healthy gut flora. And without minerals, you can't utilize vitamins. So if people are eating um, grains soaked with glyphosates, they're destroying that gut flora. They're, they're increasing that intestinal permeability. Is this why um, Crohn's disease or, or celiac disease, inflammatory bowel disease, diverticulitis, why all of these things are increasing? Absolutely. Now, it's interesting that um, in the Interdisciplinary Toxicology Journal, uh, they say that celiac disease is associated with an imbalance of gut bacteria. And that makes sense, which can be explained by the known effects of the glyphosate on the gut bacteria. So really, detoxifying environmental toxins, activating vitamin D3, catabolizing vitamin A, maintaining bile acid production, and sulfate supplies to the gut, all of this are vitally um, necessary to start to heal the gut. And they know that these glyphosates uh, disturb the, the bacteria, the gut flora. Um, they alter a balance between pathogenic and beneficial microbiota in the gut. They chelate metals as well as sulfur and selenium, which is a mineral chelator. Without minerals, you're done. And it inhibits, inhibits the cytochrome um, P450 enzymes, and those enzymes are responsible for, I mean, just about everything. Detoxing, vitamin A, vitamin D production, everything. So it's really, what are the functions of the gut flora? Because it's, if you look at celiac disease has a disease, and you treat it the way the standard um, medical doctor that's trained by the pharmaceutical industry is going to treat it. They're going to give anti-inflammatories. They're going to give steroids. They're going to give antibiotics, all of which will not heal the tissue, and it damages the um, intestinal tract, intestinal flora, and weakens the immune system response. 
So let's look at the functions of your gut flora. So you can identify if there's a leaky gut or other pathogens that are weakening your body. Well, number one, the gut flora absorbs, digests and absorbs carbohydrates. It produces vitamins. It absorbs minerals. It eliminates toxins. Uh, it keeps harmful bacteria under control. And, and it's vital to the immune system. I mean, this is what your gut flora d does. Now, we're going to have a couple of charts. Um, one on the percent of genetically engineered corn and soy. And this is, they're engineering these plants to withstand um, the herbicide glyphosate. And so that's, that's what the main genetic modification is. They're trying to get these plants to withstand this toxin, this poison that's supposed to kill the weeds. And we're seeing a huge, massive rise in Alzheimer's in, um, from the onset of when they introduced the genetically modified corn and soy. Now, why would that be? Well, we know that Alzheimer's um, is uh, a problem of the brain. We know neurotransmitters are associated in the brain uh, or uh, associated with um, the gut. That's where most neurotransmitters are produced in the gut. So if you alter the gut, we know the gut is also called the enteric brain. We know that you're altering brain function if you alter the gut function. And so is that one of the contributing factors to the epidemic of Alzheimer's? Absolutely. And then we have autism. Now, autism, we know it's heavy metal poisoning is involved. We know there's environmental factors involved. But when you look at the glyphosates, because remember, neurotransmitters are in the gut. The gut is also called the enteric brain. You damage the gut, you damage the brain. Okay, it's really that simple. So what does, um, <laughs> uh, the, and this is the warning from the U.S. Department of Agriculture um, that this slow um, herbicide does, glyphosate. It increases intestinal permeability, uh, imbalance of gut bacteria, allergic response, impaired digestion, and damage. So how do you heal this? Number one, um, you have to eliminate genetically modified foods, glyphosate-containing foods, no packaged or processed foods, um, no non-organic meat, typically fed GMO animals, um, and avoid food labels that say natural or all-natural. You've got to get 100% organic. Now, um, also, you've got to eliminate things that will disrupt your microflora. And this is going to be vaccines, antibiotic, medications, processed foods. And it's interesting, the medications that interrupt your gut flora are like non-steroidal anti-inflammatories, Advil, Motrin, Aleve, um, and antacids. I mean, virtually every medication on the planet uh, can damage that. And then you've got to optimize your gut flora. How do you do that? Well, number one, you've got to get out of the stress state. So look at physical, chemical, and emotional stress. The chemical stress it means that you're going to be on a healthy, organic, plant-based diet. You're going to have healthy fats such as coconut oil and cold-pressed olive oil, uh, fermented veggies to rebuild that gut flora, 
probiotics. And since you're going to be in a stress state, juicing vegetables, blending fruits, um, in just a couple of weeks of doing this, the gut will start to heal. So then you could start introducing raw dairy, um, reduce omega-6 animal fats, increase omega-3s. The fermented foods is the most important thing that you can do to build that gut flora. It's, it's vital. I mean, if you look at the Annals of New York Academy of Sciences, okay, brilliant article on probiotics and digestive disorders. Quote, the impairment of the intestinal barrier is a key uh, event in various gastrointestinal diseases, including inflammatory bowel disease, celiac disease, gastrointestinal infections, diarrhea, and critical illness. Recent studies have demonstrated that probiotic bacteria have beneficial effects in these diseases by effectively improving the intestinal barrier. Wow, how cool. So you heal the gut and your brain works better. Then knowing, knowing that we're talking about diverticulitis, we're talking about um, celiac disease, healthy fibers, healthy plants, plant-based diet. I mean, if you look at blueberries, wild dark, dark chocolate, artichokes, elderberries, all of these things have antioxidants. That means when you have inflammation, if you take fresh fruits, fresh vegetables, fresh plants, you're literally allowing the body to heal, to detox that system and to increase its um, uh, tissue production because inflammation is how the body heals. And inflammation can create free radicals. So antioxidant-rich foods literally help heal that body and allow the body to regenerate. I mean, if we look at oxidative stress, oxidative stress is an important factor in the pathogenesis of celiac disease. The antioxidant keep, uh, capacity of celiac patients is significantly reduced mostly by a depletion of glutathione. Wow, and that's out of the clinical biochemistry. Now, natural antioxidants and appropriate diet supplements can be important complements to the classic therapy of celiac disease. It makes so much sense. So how do you, how do you elevate glutathione in a person? Well, look at sulfur-rich compounds, and this is a cruciferous family. Garlic, onions, broccoli, kale, cabbage. Oh, my God, these are so good. If you're just taking this in, it's a master antioxidant and a master detoxificant. It sounds incredible. Then um, look at sprouted grains, okay, because this breaks it down. And again, I'm talking within a couple of weeks of reducing the stress, building the gut flora, changing your sleep patterns. All of this will start to restore that gut flora. Usually, when we're talking about celiac disease or diverticulitis or inflammatory bowel disease, um, it, it's usually about 30 to 45 days to heal. So um, sprouted grains, sourdough, um, buckwheat, oats, quinoa, amaranth, um, increasing the fiber slowly so that intestinal tract will start working better. Um, chronic stress, okay, you've got to change that area for sure. So what do you do? Um, the five keys to health, and it sounds too simple, but we're going to get the proper nerve supply. That means you're not in this chronic stress state. 
Regular exercise, movement is the key. Movement allows lymph flow to move, allows everything to work. Um, then proper nutrition, that means if man makes it, you're not eating it. So this is no GMOs, this is organic, healthy, plant-based, fresh. And if you're in a stress state, look at juicing and blending. And that would be hugely important. And then sufficient rest. This is when your body regenerates. And prayer and meditation that puts you in that parasympathetic nervous system act activity. And, and you might think, wait, it can't be that simple. Because all of the great doctors out there um, that are treating patients with this, they're not curing it. They're removing parts of the intestinal tract. They're not paying attention to the gut flora. They're not paying attention to the stress level. They're not looking at, at subluxations or pressure on the spine that could be altering that, that nerve supply to the intestinal tract. They're not looking at the sympathetic dominant state. I know. They're nuts. they got to look at this directly. Now, I'm going to have a ton of references after this talk. And tonight, we're going to be talking about um, uh, literally the law cases that are very exciting because we are literally going to get our country back. Um, that's why if you are under a mandate or know of somebody with a mandate, hang in there. Talk to your, um, talk to your union rep. Uh, this past week, very exciting stuff came out that OSHA is um, literally, they don't have the uh, uh, right, the permanent right. And in fact, there was a permanent stay on OSHA, Occupational Safety, Health, and, and um, Hazard. They put a stop um, on on the vaccine mandates that they're not going to go in there and review them. Okay, it's it's just very exciting that the state court, the Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals, um, literally upheld that verdict. So. It looks like Americans might be getting back our rights again. <sighs> I know, kind of exciting. Okay, kind of exciting? Yeah, getting our rights back? Okay, this is Dr. John Bergman, your health advocate. God bless you, and I love you. <laughs>